Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This is day three. The speaker has not been elected. Kevin McCarthy's ego and his pursuit of the speakership is drowning out the voices and the needs of the American people. Chaos and confusion. It's the Biden border crisis. I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso. This is Biden's fault. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a Thursday. And uh, we'll get to the uh, Kevin McCarthy boondoggle. He's uh, bottom of the ninth and uh, he's yet to score. We'll get to that and uh, will he uh, continue on. Uh, Also, we'll have political trivia later this hour. But first up, the Carolina Journal is reporting Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina will no longer be the third-party administrator for the state health plan come January 1st, 2025. So that's still a couple of years away. According to a press release by North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell, Aetna has been awarded the third-party administrative services contract for the health plan. Aetna beat out... Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina and UMR, a health insurance company based in Wisconsin. The change is significant because the Blue Cross Blue Shield has been the um, TPA or the third-party administrator for more than 40 years. I saw that and I thought, man, that <laughs> that is a long time for one uh, operation to be in charge. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield apparently is going to pursue a formal appeal of this decision Falwell said the selection followed a request for proposals, a competitive bid process in which the plan solicited and selected industry-leading partners who reported exceptional customer service, technological resources, and professional support. To talk about all this right now, on the line with us is North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell. Dale, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. You did a fantastic job of explaining this very uh, complicated transaction. Well, you know, my first question, again, going back to this uh, 40 years that Blue Cross and Blue Shield has uh, been the third-party administrator, has this ever been put out for bids in those 40 years? It has. It goes out for bid every three to five years. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, uh, when somebody's had this contract over that period of time, uh, you know, sometimes these contracts get morphed into other things. Uh, but we decided this year, as far as this process was concerned, that we were going to make it tight, make it simple, and tell people, uh, let them give, give them an opportunity to tell us what they can offer. Uh, this was scored on a couple of different fronts. One is the, the financial, the ability to actually administer this plan. Let's be clear that Blue Cross Blue Shield is not our insurer. They have never been the insurer, as you just correctly pointed out. It's a third-party administrative contract to handle all the back office stuff. And uh, so when the scores came in, those scores were presented to the State Board of uh, Trustees, which is made up of appointees. <laughs> Of the governor, uh, the president pro tem, and the, and the speaker of the house. And, uh, the proposals were presented and they voted unanimously to go with Aetna two years from now. This is two years from now. So who is the insurer then? We are self-insured. Okay. Uh, our third party, our third party administrator, uh, 
pays doctors, uh, collects, excuse me, collects premiums. Take a drink of water there, uh, Dale. We're we're good. We can wait for you to. (laughs) It sounds like you're choking uh, on a fly there, brother. Well, anytime I'm talking with somebody with higher IQ than I have, (laughs) (laughs) you're safe. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, we are self-insured, so they present us, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of bills every 30 days. And we pay them. That's what the third-party administrator does. And uh, for all of your uh, listeners out there who teach, protect, and other serve, otherwise serve at the university, community college, school system, uh, what they need to know is that uh, this contract reflects our loyalty and duty of care to them. Uh, we have responsibility of getting the best value at the <laughs> at the best price. Uh, for our public service workers, and that's exactly what we've done. So it wasn't just a financial decision. It sounds like you, you, the, the, whoever made the final decision, I'm sure you were involved in it, but not necessarily making the final decision, but whoever made that decision, it was based upon financials, but also the ability to carry out the job well. The, the, you know, the technical ability, and uh, everybody knows that something's wrong with health care. Uh, it's the only product that your listeners have uh, that when they don't consume it, it consumes them. Right. Uh, even after you've consumed health care, you don't know the price and the value of what you got. And, you know, this has been a crusade of ours for the last four years, and we are easily satisfied. Number one with health care is to start complying, stop giving the middle finger to the current and the previous president of the United States, who have both issued executive orders to get rid of these secret contracts. Number two is to offer a level of charity care, these are the hospitals, of course, that equals the billions of dollars of tax benefit they receive. And number three, stop breaking people's kneecaps and weaponizing their credit scores when they don't pay their bill. And we think that we are going to be partnering with a third-party administrator who agrees with this us on these issues. Well, is that to say that Blue Cross and Blue Shield didn't agree with that? Blue Cross and Blue Shield obviously is uh, a a near monopoly in North Carolina. I don't know what the number is anymore, but it's probably north of 70% market share. And, uh, you know, they had an opportunity to suit up and bid for this business like everybody else did. But, unfortunately, they they didn't get the – they were not the winning bidder. And we met with them, their entire team, 24 hours, after these, uh, this decision was made, we went through uh, case in point about how, you know, how they lost the game, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe they can improve and do better next time. Two days ago, I had a Zoom call with the press CEO and the chairman of the board of Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they assured me that they were going to finish strong. But I, I don't guess they have really control of their own uh, situation because they, they came out low the next morning. And, you know, all I can say about the press release that Blue Cross put out, because they will never come on the phone with somebody like you, ever. And all I can say is that there's at least a couple of things that are true in North Carolina. One is you can't give yourself your own nickname. And number two, nobody likes a sore loser. Well, apparently they're sore because they, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, they said that they will pursue a formal appeal of the decision uh, do, do they have that uh, uh, um, privilege of doing that? Absolutely. But as okay. I said, we went through that whole process 24 hours after this decision was made. 
they left that meeting with a lot of lawyers involved, uh, fully understanding uh, where they came up short. And it's so interesting, Tom, how God made our hand that any time you point a finger at someone else, there's three more pointing back at you. <laughs> Benny Hardy's here with us, uh, Dale. He just got a question for you. Yeah, Treasure Falwell. Hey, on, Benny. Hey, how you doing? On, the, on that note, I guess the uh, the the the, com- the the committee that uh, the the board that uh, board of trustees that uh, makes this decision. I mean, their decisions uh, are are public records, I would assume. So that decision process, as you mentioned, uh, was unanimous. I mean, so I don't know what they would appeal, but I mean that all that information was 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 subject to public meetings rules. I would think, would it not? Absolutely. Uh, everything's subject to public meeting. Everything is completely transparent. Everybody had to play by the exact same set of rules. After they lost the game, we met with both the vendors that did not get the contract and explained where they came up short. Uh, and if we have to do that uh, on numerous different occasions uh, for them to understand that, you know, there's nobody that bears the responsibility for them losing them con- this contract as far as the scoring is concerned, more than they are. You know, as far as the state health plan goes, um, you you have been talking about the solvency concerns of the state health plan. I know at least back, you know, most people probably remember you were in in the General Assembly and was Speaker Pro Tem maybe the last maybe your last term. I believe I'm correct in that. But um, mm-hmm. so it had maybe three or four terms up there. But uh, and, and since you've been state treasurer, this has been one of your topics of making sure uh, that we we have a state health plan in place in in in, in the future. What um, as your time as treasurer, um, you know, last since 2010, the Republicans have been in control of the General Assembly for the first time in a hundred plus years. How, how would you rate? Uh, the current leadership and the current um, minority in North Carolina General Assembly, uh, as far as did, do they get it as much as you do about the concerns of the state health plan? Well, I, I think they do, and, and I just want to say, Benny, thank you for, for saying all those things, that you were absolutely accurate. You know, former Representative Carolyn Justice said, I was one good haircut away from being Speaker of the House, and she was exactly right if you see my haircuts lately. <laughs> but, uh, but but you're exactly right. When I was sworn in, I was, I'm the first Republican state treasurer in 141 years. I inherited a state health plan that was insolvent. As a matter of fact, Pew Research scored our insolvency just on the state health plan as right behind Illinois, the same Illinois that you hear and read about all the time. We just got designated number one in the country for business. We are running billions of dollars of budget surpluses. We've been able to pay off the state debt 60% over eight years. We have one of the best funded pension plans in the United States. Uh, but our health care plan is one of the most insolvent in the United States. So I'm not, I'm not doing these things because I can. I, I'm doing these things because I can't do anything else. We have asked the General Assembly for billions of dollars of additional appropriation to shore up this plan, but more importantly, for all the retirees out there, they know we've been able to negotiate our our Medicare Advantage contract, I'll be on Medicare next year, at no cost to the taxpayer and no cost to the member. We were able to negotiate our pharmacy plan recently, $800 million of savings. We've been able to freeze family premiums every year for the last five years 
without tinkering around with deductibles and copays. My point of saying all that to you is that I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of hardworking, smart people at the Treasurer's Office who will give me the opportunity to say these things. But at the end of the day, until we break the health care cartel in North Carolina, until we get rid of secret contracts, until we uh, have them offer a level of charity care equal to the tax benefit they get, until we can get them to stop breaking people's kneecaps for not paying their bills, we're not going to reach the potential, especially in rural North Carolina, that we deserve. Those are um, some strong words, Dale. Um, can, can you? Uh, we only got a couple of minutes left, but uh, you talk about cartels. You talk about breaking people's knees cap, kneecaps. Uh, what what specifically would you point to? And again, we could probably spend the whole hour talking about this. But sure. on 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 the Reader's Digest version, what are you what are you referring I'd be glad to? to? You know, when I was taking classes at Winston State, I was advised because I stuttered more then than I do now to when I was struggling to find just the right word to go to the Webster's Dictionary. So the Reader's Digest version is simply the Webster's version. A cartel is defined as an association which is formed to restrict competition and or raise prices. That is what we have seen happen with the consolidation of health care into the hands of fewer and fewer of these multi-billion dollar corporations, their multi-million dollar executives, and their multi-million dollar lobbyists. That's why I use the word cartel. They control the supply of their product through the certificate of need, otherwise pronounced CON. They pronounce, they control the quality. <laughs> They control the access, they control the price, and they control whether they break your kneecaps and weaponize your credit score if you don't pay for this product. That's what I mean by these words. And you can go to Google my name. You can go to WBTV Investigation in Charlotte and see where Atrium is putting liens on people's homes for not paying their medical bill. I know that uh, Representative uh, Keith Kidwell has proposed a legislation uh, this past uh, uh, session uh, dealing with certificate of need and trying to do away with that, as other conservatives have as well. It wasn't exclusively Keith that was involved in that, but it, 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 do you see that uh, disappearing anytime in the near future? I do. You know, we're one of only 13 states that, that still has a certificate of need process, and and I say it sort of tongue in cheek, but the first three letters are pronounced con. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you pronounce character or character, or Beaufort or Buford. I mean, or Clinton or Clinton. But con is a con, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what part of the state that you're from. And what I mean by that is that uh, the hospital cartel, uh, through different types of means, are so powerful they get people appointed to these boards. They determine who gets beds and who doesn't get beds, who gets lithotripters, which is not a word I should be using on the air as a stutterer, and who doesn't, uh, who gets uh, kidney stone busting machines and who doesn't. And that's how the cartel controls the supply of their product through the con. So D Representative Kidwell and all the others are exactly right. Uh, Treasurer Fowler, just curious, you, you mentioned that North Carolina is one of the only 13 states that had the certificate of need. How do those states rank in terms of the solvency of their health plans? Well, it, uh, it, it's different places. What has happened in most states is they actually funded their health plan to put money aside for this future need. 
but I but I will tell you that if you look at all the uh, statewide think tank and also the national studies, North Carolina has one of the highest health care system costs in the United States, and there's absolutely no reason for that. Let me get back to the original reason we brought you on to explain this uh, Aetna is taking over with the uh, uh, third-party administrator. The end user, the the state employee whose health insurance it will ultimately be uh, processed by Aetna, will they see any significant change in come two years when Aetna takes over? Well, that's why there's over 40 people, I mean 600 people, excuse me, uh, who have already been assigned uh, to start on this transition process. Aetna has 10,000 employees in North Carolina. They have twice as many employees in North Carolina as Blue Cross Blue Shield does. So this process, to specifically answer your question, our state employees, those that teach, protect, and serve, have an insurance card in their pocket. It has Blue Cross on it. That insurance card two years from now will come out. It will be the exact same size, the exact same amount of information. It will just have an Aetna written on it. But hopefully during that process we will be putting things in place that will increase the quality of health care, increase the access to health care, and lower the cost. Treasurer Spalwell, thank you, sir, for joining us, explaining what uh, has taken place. And uh, when uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield begins the process of its uh, formal appeal, uh, how long will that take? How soon will we see that in the news? Uh, It'll have to take place within 60 days. As far as we're concerned, the sooner the better. (laughs) It's so ironic that some of the things that they've sent in, guess what? We can't respond to them because they haven't redacted it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean that's the vortex we're in, and and I appreciate you know what I love about your show is that you you don't just affirm how people feel about these subjects, you actually try to inform this, inform them, inform them, and that's very important. And and I think that that you've done an outstanding job today, you and Benny, of laying out. <coughs> exactly what the problem is and explaining to people that the loyalty and duty of care to the the state treasurer's office continues to be to those that teach, protect, and serve. This is their health plan, not anybody else's. Well, this we is not Wall Street money, and this is insurance companies. We just asked the questions. You laid it out uh, yourself, uh, Treasurer Falwell. Thank you so much for joining us, and look forward to talk to you again in the future. Thanks. I'd love to be back on, and people go visit nccash.com when they get a chance. There you go. You might have some cash in there. Compliments of uh, North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell. Thank you, Dale. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. A speaker has not been elected. A speaker has not been elected. A speaker has not been Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. Will we wake up tomorrow and be in this exact same place? What happens next? You'll be the first to know. Just keep it on the Tom Lambert Show, right here on News and Views. Welcome back in, and uh, they are now in the 10th inning, and I I don't know why they think anything's going to change. What's what's the definition of uh, idiocy? 
Doing the same thing over and over again, thinking the result will change? I, I guess they're just going to see who will budge. But um, so far, nobody's budged. Nobody's budged other than, I guess, the, the change. I've uh, been a couple little changes in uh, not the votes for McCarthy, but a couple of nomination changes and that type of thing. Um, I, you know, I'm, the, more, the further we get down the road here, I'm starting to feel like my prediction the other day about being Steve Scalise might be might be a good chance for that because, I mean, they've got to get somebody that they can all agree on, and um, I don't think it's going to be Jim Jordan. We'll get into more detail. I do want to mention, though, yesterday during the program, I've got a uh, text of someone saying, well, how about Donald Trump? Matt Gates actually voted for Donald Trump earlier today. Your buddy, Matt Gates. When he gets up in the morning, does he look in the mirror and say, um, Let's see, I'm going for a combination of Eddie Munster and Fonsarelli haircut that <laughs> hairstyles today. I mean, he looks like an absolute freak. And I know I'm not one to talk about hair because I'm bald as hell, but this guy looks like a freaking cartoon character. Not to mention... He does look like, uh, where's Waldo? Not to mention, this guy... I, well, I shouldn't say anything. I might be sued. But th- 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 uh, Morning Joe. Is th- the same this haircut guy, as Morning Joe's my, my radar is on with this guy that he likes young people. That's just Let's just say that. He, he's a weirdo. I, I'm telling that, that, uh, Listen, I, I, he's Eddie, a weirdo. I, I, th- that, send your comments to <laughs> Benny at IBX.com. I didn't say anything <laughs> other than he, you know, but he, I think he's a weirdo. That's just personal opinion. <laughs> we will play political trivia in a little bit here. Your category today, expansion of the United States. I test drove this question on uh, the gentleman who works for me at uh, my daytime job. And he got it in about a tenth of a second. So just saying, it might go quick. It might go real quick. Uh, although this guy did win about 20 grand on Jeopardy. Uh, quick look at your weather forecast. Cloudy skies uh, will give way to clear skies with a low tonight of 44. Tomorrow, mainly sunny sky, a high of 59. Tomorrow night, a few clouds at a low of 33. So it uh, doesn't look like we're going to get below freezing tomorrow night or Saturday. But uh, it does cool down a little bit, but lots of sunshine, a high on Saturday of 54 degrees, and again, a low on Saturday night of 35. The um, situation in Washington, D.C. now, as we speak, they are in the 10th round of voting, and uh, we'll see where that goes. It doesn't, I mean, I, I keep printing off stories. Okay, it's in the 7th round. <laughs> no, uh, 8th round. Oh, we're in the ninth round. Oh, we're in the 10th round. We might be in the 11th round before the hour is up. Uh, It is rather curious, though, how uh, the Democrats are lecturing the Republicans on how to do their job. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and and for the last ever how many years, whatever Nancy Pelosi says, they just do, like, clapping seals in the audience every time she speaks. She throws them a a fish or a bone every now and then. Don't mess with me. You know, and I'm probably the odd man out here. I mean, I hear people constantly talk about how this is terrible. This is just showing how in disarray the Republicans are. And I I, I really do look at it differently. I look at it and say, well, wait a minute. We've got some people that are in disagreement. And, you know, I even heard Fox News say, well, they say this is how democracy works. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And here's the other thing. Benny and I were talking before we went on. How many decades... Have establishment politicians been flying this airplane of the United States of America straight into the ground? And here you've got uh, the new 118th Congress come in, 
And there's so what? They're spending three or four days deciding who the speaker is. You would think they're up there urinating on the Constitution or on George Washington's head. I mean, this is what is wrong with spending a few days, even even if McCarthy ends up being the speaker, to to make their make their wishes known and, and listen. Uh, in fact, who was uh, Mulvaney came out earlier today and said, "Look." The Freedom Caucus ought to say, you know, tip your hat, you won, you won the battle, and go ahead and elect Kevin McCarthy. Now, I don't know that they're going to do that. But the idea that this is, you know, the world has come to an end because they didn't elect a speaker on the first round is ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, just breaking with Fox News, it says he appears to lose the 10th round. So it looks like we right. might go to 11th might round. Might go to 11th. <clears throat> but to, to your point, um, you know, these 20 people, there may be some people uh, – some representatives in these 20. I mean, there may be some that are trying to get some things for selfish reasons, and if they are, they are. But for people to discount this process from day one, I, I don't agree with, because we, we have sit here for the last 30-plus years and talked about out-of-control spending. We had a time when Donald Trump was won the presidency. We had the Republicans in the Senate. We had the uh, Republicans controlled the, the House. So they controlled everything and didn't do a damn thing on health care costs. Nothing. Zero. Voted against uh, repealing Obamacare. And, and, and over and over and over, when they're in power, they do nothing to address the concerns that they talk about when they're out of power. So for people that want to sit back and I mean, I've heard all week people that, you know, just shooting down these 20 people. Um, I, yeah, I just say this, you know, just because you got the keys to the Congressional Liquor Cabinet and you can go up there and, and, and snoot around Washington and rub elbows with people, I mean, that, hey, that's where we've got this point already. These people just sit there and, and it's a perpetual reelect this guy, reelect this guy, reelect this guy. Now we need more people out there like Congressman Greg Murphy. Now he's voting for McCarthy, but uh, oh, listen, there are, I'm not anti. But, but he, yeah, I, there are a lot of good people that yeah. are voting for McCarthy. But the idea that the the, the 20 that are are holding things up, you know, that the world is coming to an end, is ridiculous. If we take a few days to uh, elect the speaker, so be it. At, at a minimum, if they move the needle a little bit for just getting some concerns addressed, that. People all in America have been look, and they're blaming now. They're blaming these twenty people for for the reason the Republicans didn't take a larger control in what they did because they you know they barely won some elections that type of thing. No, Republicans are losing because you can't tell the difference between a damn Republican and a Democrat. Yes, that's that's Thank the you. difference. Mitch McConnell up there palling around with Joe Biden in Kentucky. Um, by the way, uh, Dan Bishop who is uh, North Carolina's 8th Congressional uh, District Representative. And listen, this guy is, Dan Bishop is, he hadn't been up there all that long, but he's a soft-spoken guy that seems to be very common-sense oriented. Fox News reported earlier today that someone that is opposed to Dan Bishop, apparently, who's a Republican, said that Dan Bishop said that if McCarthy wins, he is resigning. And Dan Bishop came out and said that is totally false. Yeah, I'm not going in. No, and I heard Dan Bishop's original statement, and it it was not. I mean, that that's a that was a, a big leap that he said that he said something like, you know, look, we're up here to change things, and uh, I mean, I mean, hell, if we can't change things, I'm leaving and going home. But that that doesn't. He didn't say that if McCarthy gets reelected. Yeah, he didn't say that. 
Um, by the way, you, you mentioned some of the things that uh, McCarthy has agreed to. Uh, Town Hall had a list of just several of these, um, a one-member motion to vacate. Now, he agreed to that, but it also included four co-signers, and apparently now he has agreed, um, j- I, the way I read this is he has agreed just to a one-member motion to vacate with no strings attached. Uh, Rules Committee seats for the Freedom Caucus. McCarthy is prepared to give the House Freedom Caucus two seats on the powerful Rules Committee, which oversees the amendment process for the floor. Um, Thomas Massey apparently is uh, the the Freedom Caucus wants Thomas Massey to be the person to select those who would serve. Um, He uh, is apparently agreed on a vote on term limits. This is a key demand of Ralph Ralph Norman of, of South Carolina. Uh, major changes to the appropriation process, fears of another trillion-dollar-plus omnibus spending bill have been a major driver of the conservative backlash to McCarthy. The brewing deal includes a promise to uh, stand-alone votes for each of the 12 appropriation bills, which is, again, this is just common-sense stuff. But um, we'll, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they stop and in between votes and McCarthy says, okay, Item number 13, you can have that now. I, I mean, I don't know, but if, if they're going to jump in, and I, I, I would guess it's 538 in Washington, D.C. right now. I would guess they're going to adjourn, have dinner, maybe come back. Maybe they'll come back tomorrow. Um, it'll be interesting to see if McCarthy has anything to say. Yeah, and, and from where we sit, I mean, we no one really knows what the correct version of the truth on either side is. But if I was Kevin McCarthy, I would go public have a public press conference and say, look, here's a list of the 14 things or whatever they are they asked for, and these are the ones that we've agreed upon. Now they've asked for something else. And I'd look straight in the camera and say, look, your representative was sent up here to represent you. Now they're just trying to represent themselves. And, uh, you know, put it, put it back on them. I mean, they're throwing all the darts now. I think it's time for you all to throw some darts. All right, let's lighten things up. Let's play political trivia, shall we? Expansion of the United States is your category. 561-8255. 252-561-8255. The lines are open. Let's play as soon as we get back. All right, welcome back in. Political trivia, 561-8255, area code 252. And uh, I think we do have one line open yet. Give us a call. Uh, Your category today, expansion of the United States. Prize package includes a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. An Ironwood gift certificate. Also, a gift certificate to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, delicious made-from-scratch goodies. A gift card to Mucho Bueno in Havelock or El Mexicano in Newport for lunch or dinner. Also, a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up, from Bellhaven, we've got Tom on the line. Hi, Tom. Hello, Tom. Hey, guys. How you all doing? Doing great. You ready to play? Can I get a hint? Not yet. <laughs> nice try, but not yet. Uh, although it went quick. When I test drove this, it went real quick. Your category, Expansion of the United States. The question, this week, 127 years ago, the United States admitted the 45th state into its union. However, this addition of the 45th state was not without controversy. 
the leadership of this territory had to agree to change the law. Otherwise, statehood would be denied. What was the controversial law that had to be repealed for this western state to receive statehood into the United States? All right, well, now that the question is out there, think about it and give us a call back. 561-8255. Let's go to Betty in Greenville. Hey, Betty. Hey, Betty. Hi, Tom. Hey, Benny. What do you think? 127 years ago, this western state was admitted into the United States. However, before they could get in, they had to change a controversial law. What was this controversial law? This state was admitted 127 years ago this week. Women to vote. Uh, that is not it, but you sort of touched upon the general issue, perhaps. Is that safe to it's say? A good, it's a good guess. Let's just say it's a good guess. <laughs> it's a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Betty. Five six one eight two five five. Is it time for a hint? Tom will call back and we'll give you a hint. Let's go to Keith in Newport. Hey, Keith. Hey, Keith. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Do you think you know what it is, or do you want a hint? I think I know what it is, but I'm not stupid, so I'll take a hint. Okay. <laughs> the, the hint might not help you at all, but uh, the hint is this state was also known as the Beehive State. That may or may not, that may help or hurt, but I'm still going to go with my original thought. Okay. I think it's Utah, and it was polygamy. You got Dang it. Congratulations, got Keith. You got it, exactly. The state was Utah. The practice of polygamy had to be abandoned for Utah to be admitted. The two men with the highest number of wives, Brigham Young, with 55 wives, wow, mm. and Herbert Kimball with 43 wives. However, the majority of families who practice polygamy only had two wives. Interestingly, they estimate back in the late 1800s, <clears throat> 20 to 40% of the state of Utah practice polygamy. Wow. Mm. Now, I, I don't hear any cases about one woman, one woman having multiple husbands. It's always the other way around. But uh, I guess they had it figured out. <laughs> Keith, congratulations. <laughs> Hang on the line, and uh, Clark's going to get all your info, and we'll get those uh, gift certificates out to you. Sorry for those of you who are on hold. Keith beat you to the punch. Benny and I will be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Keith Gardner of Newport, North Carolina. He got it right. The controversy was in the state of Utah, and it was polygamy. Yeah, interestingly, that's sort of making a comeback right now. I mean, you got this show, Sisters Wives. Sisters Wives. And, but apparently, they've had some legal challenges. Yeah. So, was I, a, I, I am not into that show, but. Uh, there was a good show on HBO several years ago called Big Love. I don't know if you remember. I remember the title. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was almost 
some some of the episodes were kind of like soft porn, which maybe explained why I liked it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Shame on you! No, Shame on you! No, but really, uh, but it was actually some had some good storylines. Had uh, what's the guy? He passed away kind of young with a uh, weird heart condition. Bill Paxson, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The actor. And Gene Triplehorn was in it. Um, oh, so it was a movie. No, it was a, it was a series. It was oh, a series, okay. it was, but it was really good. It had all sorts of storylines, and that was the whole thing. The guy had like half a dozen wives. I do remember that. Now that you say it, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Treasurer Falwell mentioned that uh, North Carolina has uh, been rated number one. Uh, he was referring to um, Business Facilities Magazine. They have named North Carolina as um, the 2022 State of the Year. The state previously won the honor in the year 2020. Uh, regional economic development in recent years has propelled North Carolina, and the 2022 was another banner year for the state in capital investment and jobs creation, business facilities, editorial director Ann Cosgrove said in a statement, paired with world-class education and research and development resources, the support and incentives and programs from organizations at all levels for a variety of industries, including high-growth sectors such as electric vehicles, made our state the top choice for top recognition of the year. They also have some premier radio programs, especially... No, they didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, this is interesting, News and Observer is reporting that Wilmington, North Carolina, ranks number one, Wilmington, our southern part of our listening area, ranks number one on a list of places attracting new residents the most. North Carolina boasted the nation's hottest place for people to start calling home in 2022. According to this report, Wilmington ranks number one on a list of cities that attracted new residents last year, according to results published Monday, January the 2nd. To create the list, the moving company United Van Lines said it studied more than 100,000 shipments that took place throughout 2022. About 30 to 40 percent of those customers also filled out surveys in which they shared demographic information. Wilmington topped the list with a higher percentage of people moving into the city than out of it, roughly 81% of the moves were inbound, 19% were outbound. Coming hmm. in second was Bellingham, Washington. Uh, that had about a move-in rate of about 73%. Wilmington is clearly number one this year. Eli Cummings, the spokesperson for United Van Lines, told McClatchy News in a phone interview so what makes Wilmington so, so attractive? Um, United Van Lines gives the southeastern North Carolina city nods for its large historic district, vibrant riverfront, and proximity to popular beaches. Uh, Wilmington really is a great little city. It is. The only thing that is a drawback to Wilmington is if you're on the university side mm -hmm. of uh, town, Everything is north and south, yeah. and so if you want to get from one place to the other, expect uh, traffic to traffic be terrible. slow. Yeah. Um, it's been since the pandemic, but Greenville was number one in that within the last couple of years. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember when it was, but it was been since, well, what, March 2020 was kind of the... When, when, you know, the 15 days of slow to spread nonsense started. but um, By the way, North Carolina itself was number six of all the states in terms of folks moving let's in. Let's see, number one state, let's see, I'd say Texas, Tennessee, Florida. How close am I? I don't know. It's not on here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can tell you, though, behind at Wilmington, um, there was Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
mm. which I, I've always I've never heard a lot of good things about New Mexico. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry if you're from New Mexico. <laughs> well, there's parts of northern New Mexico um, that's really really nice that I like. Um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, was in the top five, mm. as was Punta Gorda, Florida. No fan of Dirty Myrtle, personally. Well, I'm sorry if we've that, got some Myrtle Beach listeners, but no fan. Sorry. There, there's a lot of folks that enjoy golf, enjoy the warm weather, and it's a, just a huge retirement community, as is Punta Gorda. Now, Merrill's Inlet, on the other hand, I like Merrill's Inlet on the other side of Myrtle Beach. You know, what's south? South of Myrtle Beach, but anyway, I guess no one cares what I like. But, any you know. any update on the uh, whether they're going to vote for the eleventh time? Check that real quick as we uh, come to a conclusion. By the way, in closing, I meant, I meant to cover this yesterday, but you know the January sixth committee finally issued its long-awaited report, and what's interesting is, and Jonathan Turley highlighted this in the New York Post yesterday, came out with an eight hundred ninety-five page report. Remember how the January 6th committee was all over Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny Thomas, mm-hmm. and how, you know, they wanted to, uh, basically, they were calling for Clarence Thomas to resign, that uh, they said, you know, he's up to no good, he needs to, uh, he needs to recuse himself, and further, he needs to resign from the Supreme Court. What's interesting about this, in the 895-page report, not one mention of Jenny Thomas or Clarence Thomas in the report. It was all just a big vilifying of a conservative justice. And Democrats never let the truth stand in the way of a good, good crisis and a good story. Oh yeah. Uh, McCarthy loses the tenth round. No mention this. They're going to do another vote uh, for the eleventh round. All right. Well, I mean, they won't do too much work on one day, so I'm sure they're going to it's break the hour round. I got to hit the bar. Yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, thanks for being with us. Congratulations to our political trivia winner, and we'll do it again tomorrow at 5.05. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody.